Our scripture lesson today comes from Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was served him, I carried the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had never been sad in his presence before. So the king said to me, why is your face sad since you are not sick? This can only be sadness of the heart. Then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my ancestors' graves, lies waste and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king said to me, what do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. Then I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor with you, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my ancestors' graves, so that I may rebuild it. The king said to me, the queen was also sitting beside him, how long will you be gone, and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a date. Then I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given me to the governors of the province beyond the river, that, I, that they may grant me passage until I arrive in Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, directing him to give me timber to make beams for the gates of the temple fortress and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall occupy. And the king granted me what I asked, for the gracious hand of my God was upon me. This is the word of God for the people of God. What is one or two of the biggest risks you have ever taken, and were they worth it? This is a question I asked recently on my Facebook page, and a number of persons responded. The answers ranged from getting down on one knee and proposing to my girlfriend to moving from Pennsylvania to Georgia for grad school. Some carried the same theme, like, left one job for another, or, or went back to school after being away for a long time. One person said, I got married, and in a few weeks after, I quit my job, answered the call to ordain ministry, and entered seminary. Some were a bit more personal. One person had getting married after my first two marriages failed. Another person said, divorced and moved across the country for a job. Another person said, starting a new relationship after the end of a 28-year 20 20 marriage. Taking risk is a part of our everyday lives. Whether we are aware of it or not, you drove here this morning, you drove in Atlanta, you have taken a risk. God forbid if you try driving on a Monday or on a Tuesday in Atlanta 
85 or Georgia 400. Let's not mention 285. You have taken the risk of your life. Sometimes we are so accustomed to taking risk that we don't even realize we're taking a risk because it has become a normal part of our everyday life. Last week, Wednesday, I stood in my office and I was looking out the window and the construction that is happening is immediately behind my office and I lifted my head and I saw these men on the scaffolding, probably 14 or 16 stories above the ground. They had on their hard hats, they had on their harness, but they didn't look worried at all. And even when the wind blew and the scaffolding shifted just a little, they rocked with it. They didn't seem scared because they had been doing it for a while. But I can imagine if you or I had tried going up on the scaffolding for the first time, we would have been a little bit anxious. We would have been grabbing on for dear life, even if it wasn't tilting. But they had become accustomed to taking that risk. You see, church, risk-taking is a part of who we are as humans. If we don't take risks, we will never grow. If we didn't take risks, we would not be here today. Our first risk was probably when we tried walking, that, that first step that we tried taking and, and putting one foot down and, and having the equilibrium or the balance to move the next foot. And our parents applauded us or took a picture of us. But we had been taking risk for some time, and we are still taking risk today. If we don't take risk, we will never grow. We will never thrive. We will never get to the next level. We'll never move beyond where we are. Risk-taking is a part of life. But even more importantly, risk-taking is a part of the life of the believer. When you say that you choose to be a follower or a believer of Jesus Christ, automatically you're saying, I am going to be taking risk. Risk-taking has been a part of the people of God, the children of God. And this morning we hear the story of Nehemiah and the risk he took when he went before King Artaxerxes. Now, if you hear the story as it is read by Kenny earlier, it may seem like it was nothing. But, but let me make some points clear to you as we continue this series about rebuilding a legacy. Last week, we talked about Nehemiah staying connected to the place where, he, where, where was the center of the Jewish culture and Jewish religion and wanting to know what was happening to the people who, had left, who were left behind. And he asked Hanani, what is happening in Jerusalem? And he got the word that the, the city gates were torn down and the walls had fallen and the people were living in poverty. And, and, and wanting to know and now having known, Nehemiah went into prayer asking God to forgive him for the sins of himself and his forebears, to forgive him for what they have done wrong. And then Nehemiah considered a risk that needed to be taken. You see, being connected to Jerusalem, the place that was the center of what it means to be a Jew, the place that they would go to worship God, the place that they would sing the songs of Zion, the place that they would read the Psalms, the place that they would be and, and, and would encounter the grace and the goodness of God, being connected to Jerusalem, Nehemiah, no, he could not simply sit back and say, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry to hear. That is so sad or cry a tear or two and then move on with life as if nothing had happened. 
Nehemiah knew that something had to be done. And so he thought about what can be done. And here we are told that Nehemiah went into the presence of King Artaxerxes. Now, just to give you some background, Nehemiah's job was a cupbearer. He's the one who would pour the wine for the king. And while that may just seem like a simple servant's job, really, it was a really big official job. You see, somebody had to taste the king's wine to ensure that he was not poisoned. So the cupbearer was the one not only giving the king the wine, but also had to taste that wine first. And so he had now developed trust with King Artaxerxes. You are going to trust the person who is going to test that wine to ensure that it was not spiked, right? So he had developed trust with the king. But he also, know, he also knew that having the king's trust does not mean he can simply go into the king's presence looking any way that he pleased. If you enter the king's presence with a sullen face, it could be presumed that you were trying to plot a coup against the king. So you would be, it would best serve you to walk in looking like everything is fine with the world, even if it's not. And so Nehemiah took a great risk to go before the king looking sad. And the king saw his disposition and said, what is wrong? Basically, I have never seen you sad before. What is going on? Nehemiah took that risk. And Nehemiah told the king, how can I be happy? How can I be glad? How can I be of a joyful disposition when the home of my ancestors, when my ancestors are buried, lies in ruin? And the king asked the question, what do you want? The king the king's surmises that Nehemiah must be asking for something. What do you want? And we're told that Nehemiah stopped and prayed. He prayed silently. And then Nehemiah went on to say, I am asking for permission to go back so I can see this place. And the king asked, how long will you stay? And Nehemiah bargained with the king and then went on to say, and, and while we're at it, if you realize that Nehemiah took it in stages, he didn't just simply threw everything out at the, at the first first time to the king, he started by asking for permission to go. And when he realized he got that permission, in the text it says, and the favor of the Lord or, or the hands of God was upon me, he went a little bit further and said, and while you're at it, may I also have a letter to give to Asaph who governs the forest so I can get timber? And he kept on making his request to the king. But, but there's something in this passage that that I, I came upon, I realized how Nehemiah had even taken a bigger risk than initially would seem from the text. You see, Nehemiah talked about, you know, going back to the city of Judah, but he was not direct in saying, and in Judah there is this place called Jerusalem. He did not tell the king that because earlier in the book of Ezra in chapter 4, the king himself had made it explicit that the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem should have stopped. Years earlier, the officials had sent a letter to the king that the people who live in Jerusalem were a rebellious lot. 
And if the walls were rebuilt, if the gates were rebuilt, then they would rebel against the king and they would stop paying taxes, they would stop paying revenues, and so they implored the king, asking him to stop the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. When the king got the letter from the officials who didn't want the walls to be rebuilt, the king read it and said, stop building immediately. So here it is that Nehemiah was asking the king to go against something that he had already explicitly said should be stopped. Nehemiah was taking a huge risk. And it would have been so easy for the king to have Nehemiah cast out and beheaded. But Nehemiah prayed, asking God's favor. And in that time, as the door cracked open with the king saying, how long would you stay? Nehemiah kept on asking for more. You see, Nehemiah would not have been comfortable. He would not have been satisfied. He would not have been okay knowing that this place in which has such a connection to him, this place which he has such deep love for, was lying in ruins, destroyed, the people living in poverty, this place which meant so much to him and, and to the children of Israel, to all the Jewish people, was now a derelict. And so Nehemiah took a risk. Today I stand before you, St. Mark, and I ask you, what risk are you willing to take? What risk are you willing to take even for this place called St. Mark United Methodist Church, this people where God's love and grace is shown repeatedly time and time again? What risk will you take as a believer and as a follower of Jesus Christ? And however so often we have this misconception that being a Christian means that we should live in safety. Being a Christian means that everything should be right in our world, but that's not the case. When we read through the Gospels, we hear ever so often Jesus saying that those who come and choose to follow me will have to take up their cross each and every day. Jesus keeps on saying things like, you've got to lay down your life and I will give it back to you if you choose to follow me. I know we have been pampered into the sense of being a Christian means that we will always be okay. Being a Christian means that everything will be right in our world. But the gospel, the gospel challenge us in that kind of thinking. It challenged us to realize that being a Christian means we are going to be taking risk. Each and every day of our lives, we are called to be risk takers. We are called to step out in faith, to take the first step even when we do not see the entire staircase. Taking the risk. Nehemiah took a risk because Jerusalem meant the world to him. The place where the people would gather, the place where the stories would have been told about the God who delivered them out of slavery in Egypt. The place where the stories would have been told about the God who took them through the Red Sea, the God who took them through the Jordan, the God who took them into a land flowing with milk and honey, the God who gave them a name and made them a nation. Nehemiah knew he could not simply sit 
and be okay or shed a few tears and then move on with life as usual as if this place, this, this, this center of Jewish worship and culture was not lying in ruins. And so today the question I ask of us as St. Mark is what risk are we willing to take? You see, when, when, when we are children of God, we are always taking risk. If you look through scripture, you will realize that people had been taking risk for centuries. For thousands of years, those who are under the mantle of God and called by God are risk takers. Moses went back to Egypt, even though he had fled there, he went back to tell Pharaoh to let the people of God go. Esther took a risk to save the entire Jewish nation that was living in exile. Daniel took a risk, even when the king said he should not pray, he prayed three times per day. Paul and Silas took a risk talking about this man called Jesus who was crucified and then was, was buried and raised on the third day and they were imprisoned. Throughout the centuries, Christians have been taking risk. I shared with one of the Sunday school classes this morning the letter from a Birmingham jail by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And he talked about what it means when, for, for, for what it means to push beyond the, the, the status quo. And he, he, he talked about the early Christians, how whenever they entered into a town, the powers that be would be shaken and disturbed because these people, these, these followers of the way were coming with a, with, a, with a new teaching and they were coming to disrupt the power and the status quo. They were not just simply keeping the, they were not just being the thermometer to, to go along, but they were the thermostat. They were the ones setting the temperature and the pace of any community that they entered. He said they were too God intoxicated to worry about what other people were saying. They were taking risk. You see, we take risk for things that are greater than ourselves. When we are followers of Jesus Christ, we participate in risk-taking because there is something bigger than ourselves. As I sat in the class this morning and I heard each person telling a two-minute story of themselves and how they ended up at St. Mark, I said to them, the theme is the same. You have all been here because someone took a risk and said, we are going to welcome all of God's children. We're going to be an inclusive church. We're going to be a church where anyone and everyone can come and know that they're loved by God, that they have a place here and they belong and they are children of God. When I came, I was told it was called the miracle on Peachtree. But I don't want us to simply look back on one miracle. I want us now to start working towards another miracle. What other miracle can we have as St. Mark United Methodist Church? What other risks can we take? What other shaking can we allow to happen in this midtown community so that people can know that this place, this body of believers welcome them and, and, and will love them and allow them to know that they too are God's children and they too have a place here. Those before us have taken a risk so that we can be here today. What risk will we take so that those who will come even long after we are gone will have a place that they too can experience the love and the welcome and the friendship and the grace 
that we have experienced, taking a risk. You know, if you read through the Gospels, you will see that Jesus keeps on calling people. And every time he called them, they're leaving something behind. Jesus called Matthew, and Matthew took a risk because not only was he despised as a tax collector, but he was taking a risk to go into an unknown future, leaving what he had known behind the lucrative job of being a tax collector. Jesus called James and John, sons of Zebedee, and they took a risk and they left their father's net and they left their father's business and followed Jesus. He called Peter and his brother Andrew and they took a risk and they left and followed Jesus. And I think deep down inside, they knew that as much as how what they were doing was valuable, as much as how it was good, there was something bigger and better ahead for them. They followed Jesus. What risk are you willing to take, St. Mark? What risk are you willing to take? There are still people who do not know the love of God who live right here in Midtown. There are still people who do not know that they are welcome into the house of God who live right here in Midtown. There are still people who do not know that there is a body of believers, a fellowship, a community where they would be welcomed and received with love and with kindness that live right here in Midtown. What risk will you take? I don't want us to be comfortable. I don't want us to be comfortable. I don't want us to simply sit down and think that everything is okay and we just move on. And we come in every Sunday and we move on and we come back on another Sunday. I want us to be risk takers. I want us to be risk takers. I want us to step out even when we don't know what our feet are going to land on, but step out trusting God. I want us to pray, but I want us to take risk. So this morning, I'm going to invite you as you go through your week, ask the Lord, Lord, what can I do? What else can I do? Show me something, God, that can move St. Mark from where we are. As great as we are, there is still greater ahead of us. You know, one of the things about the temple, when the temple was destroyed, and they were going to rebuild the temple, and the people were crying. The word of God came through the prophet saying, do not even compare what this is going to be to the former, because the former cannot be compared to it. I am doing a new thing. And I truly believe that God is doing a new thing. There are people who are always searching always longing for that place of connection, for a cause, for something bigger than themselves. I've heard people all the time saying, oh, millennials are this, millennial or that, but I truly believe that they are the ones who will usher, into an, usher us into a new way of living, a new way of being, a new way of risk-taking. And it's for us as a church to attend to them in the ways that we can. 
When I talk to my nieces and my nephews, I hear the constant longing for something greater than themselves. When I served the previous church, one of my nieces kept on saying, Auntie, whenever you're going back to Kenya, I'm coming with you. I want to go on a mission trip with you. They have this, this, this desire, this deep need to participate in something bigger than themselves. What risk will we take so that others can live lives that are fulfilled, lives in which they know they're held in the love of God, no matter what the risks are? I want you to be praying this week, St. Mark. Be praying this week. Ask the Lord to show you, to show you what risk we can take. I've been praying and I've been asking. I'm thankful for the miracle on Peachtree, but God is a God of many miracles. Amen? God is a God of many miracles. God doesn't stop at one. God doesn't stop at two. God doesn't stop at three miracles. God is a God of miracles. Read through your Bible over and over and over again. God was always showing up, and God is still showing up today. And God is looking for a people who will be open so that God can show up in our midst and show out to others. So I invite you to pray. Pray this week. And if you receive a vision, if you receive an inkling, email your pastor. Let me know. Because I'm looking, I'm looking myself. I have a few things in mind, but I'm also looking because God doesn't only speak to me or to Jess or to one of the, the, the clergy. God speaks to God's people. And you are the people of God. So I want you to be praying this week. And if you have, if you have, the, if you have the grace, fast even for half a day this week. And ask the Lord, Lord, what risk can I take? What risk can we take? And I believe as I stand before you this morning that God will hear and God will show you. Nehemiah took a risk. And not only did he get the, get the king's approval to go, but he also got what he needed to make the difference in Jerusalem in its rebuilding. Only risk takers will see the reward of the risk that they have taken. Let's take a risk, St. Mark. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.